You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Well, ladies of the church, did you have a good time yesterday? My goodness. So, yesterday was our baby, uh, baby Dane's, baby Dane Donald Immel. I don't know if you noticed his middle name is the same as mine. That might have went over your head, Dane Donald Immel. His middle name is my name, too. Um, maybe I sing that around the house during the week just to annoy my wife or not. I don't know, but... A couple months ago, um, some of the ladies of the church came to us and, and said, uh, Immels, we're, we're throwing you a baby sprinkle. And it, it, I just, that's such a big gift for us to accept. And so we respectfully said no, and they said, you're getting one whether you like it or not. So we said, okay. And yesterday, I'm standing there at, at the pavilion, and I'm watching someone's car alarm is going off, by the way. Hallelujah. But I'm, it's really ruining this moment, I tell you what. <laughs> but I'm standing here, and I'm, and I'm watching car after car after car pull in, and you know, made the joke that, that you know, I, I had to step out, you know, had to go do some man things because there's a lot of estrogen building on the property. And truth be told, I had to step out because I was coming undone. I just can't put into words how much, Kylie, and I love you. Don't do this. You're going to get me going again. But I just, we did not expect, we certainly would have never asked for just the generosity and the blessing that was poured out yesterday. I, thank you doesn't seem like it's a good enough word, but I honestly don't have the words to just express my appreciation. Um, a part of Kylie and I's testimony is before we came here, we were heading towards leaving the ministry. Uh, we had had our hearts broken in years past, just through some experiences that we don't need to go through today, and saw a very ugly side of many of you um, have experienced in your lifetime church hurts. Anybody else? Can I get a witness, right? And if you're new with us, by the way, church hurt is going to happen until we're with the perfect one in heaven. If you're looking for the, the perfect church, this ain't it. This is the perfect place for imperfect people. But this isn't the perfect church. We won't experience that till we're in eternity. And so Kylie and I, a part of our testimony is we, we've dealt with some of that and just said, you know what, if this is ministry, I think that we're just going to step away and, and figure this out. And then, you know, my, my dad, who uh, a part of his job, long story short, is he handles all of the resumes and, and churches that are in Pennsylvania and Delaware, the AG churches, Assemblies of God. And um, he told me about this church in Foglesville, Pennsylvania, and I'm like, Dad, you know, give the spiritual answer. I'll pray about it, and that was my way of saying, I don't know, 
And from the first phone call with the board here, I hung up the phone call and just began to weep to my wife. And she said, so it went well. And I said, Kylie, God wants us to stay in ministry. And she was just kind of like, okay, we'll see. And the board had requested to interview her. And so a week later, we interviewed. And as soon as she hung up with a phone call, she started crying and said, we're staying in ministry, aren't we? And then God let us hear. And we used to dream and fantasize about what it would be like to call a church our family. And you guys are our family. It is why our kids call some of you their grandparents. And it is why we refer to some of you as our aunts and uncles and our siblings. When somebody says, are you going home to Pittsburgh where I grew up? I get offended because that's not my home anymore. This is my home. And so, again, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, from the, on, on behalf of the Immel family, thank you so much for your love and your kindness. You are a blessing, and we so love you and cannot wait to see what God does in and through his church in the upcoming years. Amen? Amen. Amen. Cats. At the name of at that title, it all goes away, I'm telling you. For those of you who are new, I'm not a big fan of cats, and the mention of their name brings all these horrible feelings in me, and all the fuzzies just kind of calm down. Okay. <laughs> Some of you are like, he has issues. I know, friend. I'm working through them just like you are. But hey, today we're diving into our series titled Transformation. When it comes to relationships, I believe that we all have a vision and expectation on what we, not, not necessarily what we want out of that relationship, but how that relationship should be. Like when I say the word best friend, I believe that many of you in this room, you have a mental vision of how that relationship should function, how it should be. Some of you, especially you car guys, I know that you immediately picture that best friend working on an engine. <laughs> Come on, somebody, Tim the Tool Time Taylor, anybody in the house today? And you picture that, that best friend coming along. Work. I'm, I'm telling you, some of the greatest conversations that I have had is when I am, am sitting in a camping chair in front of a big block that is being worked on. I'm just saying. And some of you picture that friend. Some of you outdoorsmen, you picture that best friend as that, as that fishing buddy. Ladies, I know that especially a lot of moms, I hear how, how you picture that best friend on, on just having those play dates with you and your younger kids and going to the park and be able to sit down and let them go and get jacked up on the monkey bars. Hallelujah. And as some of you ladies, you, you picture that best friend as that person that you can just call at any time and any day, and, and, and they're there for you, and there's that, that, that conversation. I believe that many of us have a mental perception on how these relationships should be. And so I want to ask you, how do, your, how do you picture your relationship with Jesus being? What comes to mind whenever I talk about, whenever the Word of God talks about a relationship with Jesus? What do you hope 
for, to, to gain out of that? What do you hope to pour into that? What do you picture in your mind when we talk about having a relationship with Jesus? Because I believe that what you anticipate your relationship with Jesus being like will ultimately determine what your church experience is like. Some come to church out of tradition because their relationship with Jesus is traditional. There's a song that's popular on, on various radio stations right now, and it really irritates me. i got to be honest. But it says, I only call on God when I'm in trouble. And I, I feel like that, that is honestly, that's, that's many of our, that's the extent of our relationship with Jesus. I only call on him whenever I'm in trouble, whenever I need something, whenever I'm desperate. For some, they, they, they perceive their, their relationship with Jesus being more about entertainment. And so, therefore, their church experience is purely based off of entertainment. It could be a biblical word that is delivered. It could be an outstanding worship team. It could be all of, all of these, these, these incredible experiences. But ultimately, it comes down to not what I poured out to Jesus, not what I received. But what it comes down to some individuals is, was I entertained for some, church is just a motivational experience. It's something that we do to get through the week. One friend of mine growing up, I remember him reaching out to me whenever he found out that I'm a, that I'm a pastor, and, and I remember him saying, you know, hey, hey, Donnie, what, where's, where's the, the church that you serve at? Where, where's it located? Because I'm looking for somewhere on Sunday to pay my respects. And again, I'm not offended by that, and we shouldn't be, but I understood that in that moment, what was communicated is, is his relationship with God was just, again, more of tradition. It was more of showing up and saying, hey, God, uh, here I am. Remember me? I, I respect you. I know you're powerful. Okay, I'm going to go head on and, and go live. What do you picture your relationship with Jesus being like this morning? Is it passionate? Is it full of love? Is it expressive? Or is it contained? Is it kind of meek? Is it reserved? What is that mental image, what does that mental image look like whenever we talk about having a relationship with Jesus? Because again, I say, ultimately, that will determine the kind of experience you have, not only in that relationship, but here at church as well. And I think that the question should ultimately be flipped like this. Why do you, what do you believe Jesus desires your relationship to look like? If we were to ask him the question... Jesus, what do you picture this relationship between you and I looking at? What do you think he'd say? Like, don't answer out loud in this, in this moment. I know we're starting off kind of heavy. It's all good. We're, we're going to come up for air in a little bit. But if you were to ask Jesus, Jesus, what do you want in this relationship? What do you want this to look like? What do you think that his response would be? If you would turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Verses 1 through 6, that's where we're going to be spending the majority of our time today. Normally, I'm a topical uh, preacher, but today we're going a little bit expository, which means we're going to be sticking just to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. If you follow Christ, then you and I are ultimately called to be disciples. If you bear the title Christian, it's insinuated in the meaning of the word that you are a disciple. 
So we could also learn about what a relationship with Jesus should look like whenever we follow uh, the disciples' interactions and encounters with Jesus. What did they experience in their relationship with Jesus? Because however they experienced Jesus is the same kind of experience that is available to us here today. I want to say that again because I believe that that is a powerful thought. And we can take the scripture down from the screens just for a moment. I don't want us to be distracted. But the same relationship that the disciples had with Jesus, that same dynamic, the same relationship is available to you and I. Some may want to debate that and say, okay, but pastor, you have to understand that Jesus isn't here in physical form. And yes, I acknowledge that. But every time that Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit, he always used this Greek word called a paraclete, meaning of the same. Jesus didn't give us a counterfeit. Jesus gave us the the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives in you and I, and therefore, you and I can experience the same kind of relationship with Jesus that, that, that the disciples had. Are you experiencing that? So let's dive into this passage today that's going to teach us about the disciples' transformational experience with Jesus Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority. Everybody say that. Power and authority. Would, I'm sorry, I skipped over a step. Would you do this with me? Would you stand as we just honor the reading of God's word here today? Again, whenever we lean more towards expository, meaning we stick to one passage, this is just a simple sign that we do to honor God's Word. The reason why we don't do it every week is because I don't always preach from a single passage. I like to go all over the Bible and show what God is doing everywhere. And if we were to stand every time we read a scripture in those sermons, y'all better bring something to hydrate and bring sweatbands. I'm just saying. So let's read that again. When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them, say it, to drive out all demons and cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Jesus, I pray that your word would take root in our lives here today. That, that your word would take such root that the fruit of the Spirit that grows out of that, Lord Jesus, would not be shaken by any wind nor any storm that comes towards us in life. Father, I pray today that you would come and, and do what only you can do, which is transformational work. Help us to look le less like us and more like you here today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. There is a lot to impact, uh, or excuse me, unpack in just these six verses. For example, you could almost look at this like the first commission. Before going out to reach the world, you see later in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus famously gives the disciples 
the Great Commission. And I love the progression here because before the disciples were called to reach the whole world, they were first called to reach their neighbors. Love that. And in this moment, he says, I want you to go out into all the villages. And then he tells them the stuff that he's given them. He says, I'm giving you power. I'm giving you authority. You don't need to take anything extra with you because I've already provided on the journey. That'll preach. And so he tells them, you know, I want you to go, I want you to move. And what's incredible is the similarity between this and Matthew chapter 28, 19. You see, before the Great Commission, there was the first commission, this commission. And even here now, Jesus is getting the disciples in the habit of walking by faith. He's getting them in the habit to not rely on him being physically next to them in order to move in his spiritual power and supernatural power incredible. Jesus is a pretty good teacher. Did you know that? I'd give him an A. And in both cases, in both commissions, there's an overlying lesson for us, which is our first point here together this morning, that Christ is a person to be trusted and not a principle to be tested. Christ is a person to be trusted and not a principle to be tested. Here Jesus wants the disciples to learn to trust that he can provide and protect them. How many of you struggle with that lesson? I'm raising my hand, by the way. He wants the disciples to learn to trust him, even when he's not physically with them. He tells them to take nothing for the trip. And this is an incredible moment where Jesus is teaching the disciples to trust that he will provide with them all the resources to not only meet their spiritual needs, but also their physical needs. It's amazing to see the parallels between Jesus commissioning the disciples in Luke chapter 9 and the Great Commissioning. In both cases, he's teaching his disciples to walk in supernatural empowerment. You know what's incredible is how many times in Scripture Jesus sends them out to preach, but before he says, I want you to go out and preach, he says, I want you to move in my power. In verse 3, Jesus says, don't take anything because I'll provide along the journey that you're taking. In church, the lesson that we learn from Jesus in this moment is this. God does not call us to go on journeys that he hasn't already prepared us for. God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And so if he ever calls you to do something, if you ever receive an invitation, and I just have to laugh this because this literally happened this morning for this individual, I'm not preaching at you. But if the pastor ever comes up to you and says, hey, I see something in your life, or a ministry leader, or a board member, comes up and says, hey, I see something in your life. What if you were to serve in this capacity? In that moment, please do not say the words, I'm not qualified. If it was about qualifications, none of us would be here. God never calls you on a journey that he hasn't prepared you for, which also means that the mistakes that you've made in your life, he will rework to form your character in him. That means that the people and situations in your life that didn't go according to plan and left some scars... Those scars are not in vain. He will take those moments and those situations, what was meant to take away from the quality of your life, he will actually turn to grow you in him. 
God does not call us to go on journeys that he hasn't already prepared us for. Jesus in this chapter is sending out the disciples and he both authorizes them and empowers them. You know he does the same with us. I really want to go on a rabbit trail this morning. Can I? Is that okay? Enablers. He authorizes them and he empowers them. It is just amazing that we are even allowed to speak the words that he spoke. Like, we're, we are just so defiled by sin and so unworthy to even repeat the eternal, holy, and pure words, God's word of Scripture. And not only does Jesus authorize you, friend, not only does he authorize, give you permission to speak his words and command you to go and preach them, but then, and this is just a testament of his grace, but then he gives us the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and empowers us so that we're not just speaking, you know, repeating mere words, but now we're speaking them with the same empowerment that he did. Is that not humbling? And he both has authorized you and empowered you this morning. Can I ask you a question? Are you walking in the same empowerment that the disciples did? Because that same empowerment is available to you. And i got to be honest, today I, I just feel like in my mind I've come to the conclusion that as a pastor I'm okay with looking weird. Shocking for some of you, at least act surprised. I just don't get it. Why we as a church claim to believe in power, but the second that we start laying hands on someone so that they'll get up and walk, someone in the room goes, this is weird. Supernatural tends to be like that. And I don't know about you, but if being empowered in the same way that the disciples were costs me to walk and look like a fool, then I'll walk. And I believe that for such a time as this, that God is calling the church to be weirdos. <laughs> there, some of y'all are too good at it. I'm just saying. You should be up here. I, I just think back to individuals in my life, mentors in my life who, has, who have poured so much into me. One of my mentors goes, goes to a hospital and, and, and his son is about to have surgery and the cute little chaplain that they send you came to the room. Would you like prayer? Yeah, sure. He prays a beautiful prayer. Real nice. And my friend, the evangelist, says, okay, is it okay if I pray? Oh, you pray? Sure. Okay. In the name of Jesus. And he prayed in power, and that chaplain was freaked out. 
if that's what it costs us, church, to go to village after village, then let's do it because it's about the one who sent us. Situations in your life don't just happen as coincidence, they often happen as preparation for his purpose. The trials that you've gone through, church, they're not in vain. And what we learn is this, is you can have biblical teaching. You see, up to this point, the disciples had biblical teaching. They had seen the miracles of Jesus. They had spent time going to class and sitting under Jesus' teaching. And ultimately, this is what we learn. You can have biblical teaching. You can have servanthood character. You can have familiarity with the Holy Spirit moving. But if you don't have the faith to trust Him in taking the journey, then all you have is training and theory without practice and experience. And Jesus wants to move you in your relationship with Him from theory to practice so that you can get experience. And I believe that for such a time as this, that there's many of us even here today, we know the theory, we know the curriculum, but we have yet to experience Him. And so Jesus in this moment is taking the disciples from knowing this relationship, being familiar with this relationship, to now experiencing it in another dimension. Could God be offering the same thing to you here today on this gorgeous Sunday morning in August? That he's extending himself to you here today, church, to not just experience the teaching, but experience the empowerment that he provides. And we learn this, that faith in Jesus is an experience, not an exposition. It says, when Jesus had called the twelve together, He gave them the power and the authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. It's amazing how in scripture Jesus called for the power of the Holy Spirit to to partner with and come along with the message of the gospel. Jesus invites his disciples in the experience of walking in relationship with him and authority and empowerment, and he is still calling the church of Jesus Christ today to walk in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It's a powerful thing when you experience what it's like to do ministry with the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness this morning? It's a powerful thing. I just... (laughs) I'm an awful public speaker without the Holy Spirit. I'm an awful Christian without the Holy Spirit. I'm an awful pastor. I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, for such a time as this, I love that Generation Z is coming up, and I love reading about the different statistics. Did you know that Generation Z is very, very, very spiritual? And what they're looking for is something legitimate to believe in. And I can't think of something better to believe in than the power of Jesus Christ of the Holy Holy Spirit. It's a powerful thing when you operate under the authority of the Holy Spirit. But notice the phrasing, under the authority, means that you have to submit. 
it's a powerful thing when you begin to speak a message that God has sent you to speak and you see it piercing through someone's heart. For example, it's a powerful thing that you couldn't have done, that I couldn't have done on my own power. When you go to pray over someone and you feel this weird prompting, there's a specific topic that comes into your mind. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's a restored, broken relationship. Maybe it's just the building of character in Jesus. Maybe it's figuring out his calling in someone's life. Maybe it's, it's figuring out what gifting someone has. But regardless, you feel this prompting to kind of take one of these topics and pray over that person. And it's a powerful thing when you begin to pray over that person and you see their heart breaking before Jesus and tears streaming down their face. And it's a powerful thing when they get up from the ground or they turn around and see that you're, you're there and they say, how did you know that I was going through that? And you get to stand there and you, don't, you get to give away all the credit. And you get to say, friend, I just felt the Holy Spirit telling me to pray that. That's just a glimpse of the kind of relationship that you and I are called to walk in with Jesus. Because he's given us power and authority, which means signs and wonders will always follow that. It's a powerful experience when you pray over someone who goes to the doctor and they can't find the cancer anymore. It's a powerful experience when someone was born deaf and they receive restored hearing for the first time. It's a powerful thing whenever you're praying over someone to receive sight because they've literally been blind their entire life and they receive sight. And I literally, I, I heard this story, Tim Menlo will be coming in the next couple of weeks and he'll be sharing this in, in September about this service where this happened over this lady and she receives sight to blind eyes and they hand her a, a book and they say, can you read this? Can you read the pages? Everybody's excited. And she says, I can't read that. And everybody goes, you know, faith starts to decline. They're like, oh, and she goes, I only know how to read Braille. <laughs> oh, yeah. You and I are called to walk in this empowerment. Are you? Jesus is looking at his church here in 2023 to experience him like this. And it's this experience, it's, it's so beautiful to experience it individually, but it is very beautiful to experience it corporately recently heard a quote that says, faith is by design an experience of both the individual but also in community. Some of my favorite meals have been the ones that follow a, a, a service. And some of you are thinking very sarcastically right now about that, saying, yes, I know, Pastor, because you go over time every week and I can't wait to have a meal after that. <laughs> God bless you, friend. I still love you might be true, but it still hurts. But some of my favorite time is like, times to eat is after an incredible service where you just go out to lunch with a few individuals and you just brag on God. Do you see what God did today in church? 
Did you see what he did around the altar? Did you see what he did in worship? Did you see? Did you hear? I, I love those moments because faith is an experience not just for you individually, but also us corporately as the body of Christ. Are you experiencing Jesus like this? Jesus in this passage invites his disciples to be a part of experiencing a move of God, to be one of the ones going and actually laying hands on the sick and casting out demons. And it won't happen because they are the sent ones. It will happen because of the one who sent them. And we learn this in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6. The church is a movement, not a meeting house. I want to say that again. The church is a movement. Everybody say movement. Let's say it with some guts. Ready? One, two, three. I believed it that time. The church is a movement, not a meeting house. It says, so they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Jesus, from the early stages of the church forming, you see, this is before the church was the church. The church is birthed in Acts chapter 2. And here in the early stages of Jesus starting to lay the foundation for what would become the church, he's already preparing us to be a church on the move. In our infancy, in our, in our conception, he's already saying, you were designed to go. Have you ever experienced a strong water current in your life where you just get pulled into it? I remember years ago taking a group of teenagers to a river and, and we found this one swimming hole and there's a huge rock face that you can jump off of. I mean, it's just a gorgeous place to be. And by the way, for the outdoors men and women, the fishing, the trout fishing was, mwah. I mean, everybody else is bringing floaties. Pastor Donnie's bringing a fishing rod. I'm just saying. But there came a point where some, they had what was called a natural water slide, meaning the water was carved in and out of these rock faces so perfectly that you could go, and it was a natural water slide down the river. It was awesome. At the bottom of the water slide, though, you had to make sure that you got off because there was a little waterfall that was right after that water slide. And I remember a couple of us, we went down to the, the, the uh, waterfall, and the waterfall was carved out in such a way that you could just, if you swam up to it, you could just nudge yourself behind and get behind these rocks where you're looking at the waterfall. And I just will never forget how humbled I was when you go back into that cave almost and you hear the roar of the current. And if you put your hand out, it was so strong that it would pull you in. And I can't help but feel like the, the Holy Spirit has inspired an image in my mind today of the church being a movement that is so strong that we are like a current pulling others in. Where people can't help, where if they stick their hand out just for a moment that they're going to get swept up in His presence. I believe that the Lord is calling us to be a movement, a current. But if people are going to be swept up in a movement of God, you and I first have to let God move in us. Many today want their friends and family to be impacted by Jesus, 
but don't see that happening. And friend, maybe that's because there's a part of your life that doesn't seem much different than theirs. If you and I are going to claim, proclaim the gospel, then I'm not advocating that we have to have it all together because how many of you know we're all a little messed up? Amen? Amen. But I am saying that there has to be some type of salvation experience and repentance, which means that you're not living in sin. Living in sin and struggling with sin are two vastly different things. God wants to move in your life in such a powerful way that you become a conduit of that current. And when the power of the Holy Spirit is moving in and through your life, not only is there a vast difference in who you are versus, or excuse me, who you were versus who you are now, but you don't even have to try hard for others to be swept up in the movement. When you're, when you're submitted to God, when you're allowing Him to change things in your life and you're allowing Him to move in and through your life, you don't even have to try that hard to impact others. It's just the way that the Holy Spirit is and moves. Have you ever noticed how many people were naturally attracted to Jesus? Did you know that people are still today naturally attracted to their Creator? And when you allow the Spirit of God to move so strongly in your life, you just again, all you had to do when you were behind this waterfall was stick out your hand and it would want to pull your arm in. You didn't, to get in the water, you don't have to do much. And so it is when you're allowing the Spirit of God to move in and through your life, and you're focusing on the fruit of the Spirit to grow in your life. I'll never forget an individual who was at uh, another very holy anointed place, Chick-fil-A. I'm just telling you all now, church, if they ever put a Chick-fil-A next to Cabela's in Hamburg, I am going to lose my mind. But I'll never forget an individual just at the play place at Chick-fil-A. They're standing there. And I don't know the religious background that some of these women who were in there had, but this individual was talking to them. And the women looked and said, there's something different about you. I think the Spirit of God is on you. And this man who was talking to them, he wasn't talking about church. He was just talking about life, but there was something in them. I'm telling you, church, when you allow the the Holy Spirit to have free reign in your life, you will become a conduit for that movement to happen. And you don't have to even try and convince and beg people to listen, to come to church. It just happens. All you have to do is be swept up in him first. It says that they went from village to village. Their faith in Jesus wasn't stationary or reserved for one meeting house. Jesus, from the very beginning, was getting his disciples in the habit of moving in his power. You and I need to get in in that habit again. In our Americanness, we've reserved church to one location. You and I need to get in the habit of movement. Everybody say that word, movement. Ready? One, two, three. And here's the reality as the worship team makes their way to the platform this morning. Just like the disciples in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, your responsiveness to Jesus can transform your life. 
But make no mistake, Jesus is calling you to respond. When we are in environments of prayer, you and I are offered an opportunity to respond. When you and I are in atmospheres of worship, praising the Lord, giving Him glory, you and I are handed an opportunity to respond. When you and I hear the Word of God preached, you and I are given a chance, an opportunity to respond. Are you responding? And if so, how are you responding? Taking Jesus at His word and jumping into what He has can open up a door into your life of incredible transformation. When there are moments of worship in this place or in your car on the way to work, your response to enter in can open up the floodgates of a move of God in your life. Your response to those Holy Spirit promptings to pray certain things over different individuals, whatever it may be, they can open up a floodgate of movement in and through your life. But the harsh reality this morning, church, is your unresponsiveness to Jesus can cause your life to become stagnant. Make no mistake that not responding is a response within itself. And I'm certainly not trying to guilt anyone into following Jesus here this morning, but I am trying to warn the church body, the repercussions of our actions, or in this circumstance, the repercussion of our inaction. When there's a moment to pour ourselves out before God, to respond to an altar call, you have been given an opportunity to respond to the call of Jesus in and on your life. But friend, there are severe repercussions when you and I decide to remain in place. When you and I are given an opportunity to give God credit, there is an incredible opportunity for a movement of God to start. When somebody says, how did you know to pray that? And you and I are given the opportunity to say, let me just tell you how good the Holy Spirit is so that you can get swept up in this movement too. There is an incredible opportunity to not only bring about transformation in your own life, but in their life. But to not respond also carries repercussions, consequences, if you will. We started out today's service by asking the question, what do you want your relationship with Jesus to look like? We also asked the question, what do you think Jesus wants your relationship to look like? And I want to circle back around that today because according to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, Jesus wants us to not only be in right relationship with him, speaking and talking with him open and freely, but Jesus also wants to move as he moves. Jesus wants us to do as he does. And in that moment, Jesus also wants to walk in empowerment and authority. Are you? Are you walking in that? Are you a channel for God's movement? And if your answer is is maybe with a, a touch of shame and embarrassment, you're like, Pastor, nope, I'm not a part of that movement because I'm always concerned about looking like a fool. Then today is a beautiful day for that yoke to be broken off your neck. Do you know that you're one response away from transformation? 
You're one response away from revival happening in your household. You're one response away from your heart forever being changed. You're one response away from experiencing his presence that grows such a hunger in us for more of him. You're one response away. What will it be? What will your response be? Would you stand with me here today? In just a moment, in just a moment, can we sing that song to worship you, I live? Yeah, that would be beautiful. In just a moment, we're going to sing this song to worship you, I live. And this is our unofficial, official, but not official, but unofficial, officially unofficial closing. And I want to invite you, here's what's going to happen the next few moments. Again, not trying to guilt anybody to the altar. May it always be spirit-led, amen? If you have other things happening today, you have a schedule to stick to, we get it. But this morning, we're going to be opening up the altar for an opportunity for us to get familiar with his presence, to start to grow and discernment. Over the next couple of weeks until uh, Pastor Tim Enlow comes, we're going to be getting in the habit of being a spirit-empowered church. And I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you. If your heart aligns with the word of God this morning that says, you know what, I know, I know that he's sending me. I know that I need to move forward in, in, in power. I know that I need, need to move forward, not worrying about taking other things along, not, not worried about taking my insecurity or taking these other things that might give me a false sense of comfort and prohibit me from walking in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna take those things. I, I, I wanna lay it out for God. Then we're gonna open up the opportunity. We're gonna open up the altar here this morning for us to start to grow in these things. And I'm telling you, what, what moments like this provide is an experience where on a Sunday morning, you might respond to, a, to an altar call just to say, Lord, take my life. And here's what happens. At least I found this in my experience. That I start to get familiar with what it's like to be crushed by the Holy Spirit. So that when I'm out in the world on my own, and maybe I'm in my, my, my truck going down the highway, or maybe I'm at the, at the house and whatever, I'm just going through life, I'll start to sense this crushing again. And by crushing, I mean it in the most beautiful way where my heart becomes soft and I become aware of just other people's needs. And hey, why don't I reach? I start to recognize that that's the Holy Spirit because I first experienced him at the altar in the church. It builds a familiar experience so that when you're outside of these walls, there's no mistake. This is the Holy Spirit. I know this because this is just what I felt whenever I gave my heart to Jesus in church or whenever I responded to that altar call. The Holy Spirit begins to build this kind of reputation, this kind of flow, this familiarity with us being the sent ones to go to village and village. So when you're actually in the village, you remember this is what it was like when the one who sent me was moving. And I want to challenge you this morning, church, to get familiar with his Holy Spirit, to get familiar with taking steps of faith, because the reality is, is if we can't walk by faith in the church, come on, somebody, 
then we're certainly not going to walk it out outside of church. And often what prohibits us from responding to the altar, a place of surrender and sacrifice, of just coming and simply praying, God, take my life, I'm all in. What often prevents us from that is, is we're worried about the next step. Pastor, once I move out of my seat, then what? That's a long 10 feet. And I want to encourage you, here's what's going to happen. When you respond to an altar call, here at C3. You're going to step out of your seat. You're going to come to the altar. You're going to chase God. And others are going to surround you and they're going to chase God too. And you're going to experience his presence. And that's it. And maybe one of our certified prayer partners will be around. But I'm telling you, church, there's no room for insecurity here today. And I believe that for such a time as this, in 2023, God is reminding his church that we are the sent ones on behalf of the one who is sending us. And it requires us to look foolish sometimes, which is perfectly fine because that's where, that's a moment of encounter. When you and I start to feel like, God, I might look a little bit crazy right now, but it's all for you. It, it's often in that moment that he shows up the strongest. Would you bow with me? Father, help us to respond today according to your will and your ways. Lord, I pray that you would begin to instill mental images in our minds, even here and now, on what our relationship with you should look like. It shouldn't look like tradition. It shouldn't look like entertainment. It shouldn't look be like look look like nine one one, where you're the only one. The only time that we ever uh, uh, communicate with you is whenever we need something. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would begin to instill mental images in each and every one of us on what it looks like to be uh, one of your disciples, Lord, walking by faith, living in empowerment, taking risks and giving you all the glory because time and time and time again, when we step out of ourselves, that is a moment of encounter. That is when you move and you get the credit and the glory, God, because it's not about the ones who are sent. It's about the one who is sending. Even here and now, August of 2023, you're sending us still, Lord. You're sending us out of a church uh, building, Lord, and you're sending us into a movement of God. Lord, may we be so abandoned for you that we become channels for a God-driven movement that sweeps up others into it as they experience the power of your message and the power of your presence and the power of your spirit. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Would you move in this place? We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.